finished a sermon series on the Christian worldview a few weeks ago. And a long time before that, right near the very beginning of that series, I, I spoke on the topic or the topic, the person of God for two weeks. And I expressed at that time, I thought, I feel kind of embarrassed or bad about that. God tackling that in two weeks, it just didn't seem proper. So I want to go back and do another little mini series on, on who is God? What are some characteristics and attributes of God. Today, well, I want to talk about God's sovereignty. My title is Let God Be God. First Chronicles 29:11 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exalted as head above all. Man, what a great verse. Describing so many beautiful attributes of God's nature. Everything in earth and heaven is his. And he's exalted above everything. That's what sovereignty means. God is above everything else. He's in control. Take nature, for instance. He created it all. And he sustains it. And if he chooses and desires to overrule it, he can easily do that, performing a miracle. God is over time, the past, the present, and the future. That's all in his hands. God is in control of our lives, too. Here's what it says in Acts 17, 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. The Bible says that it was God who determined when you were going to be born. God determined who your parents would be, where you would be born, how long you would live. He decided what spiritual gifts to give you, and even your natural abilities are from Him. He gave them to you. He decided what they are and when they would be given. Now, God being in control, I think sometimes it's hard for us to grasp, maybe emotionally, sometimes mentally, because we look at the world out there and everything seems to be chaotic and out of control. So we wonder, how can God be in control? Well, there's this little thing called free will. I'm definitely not a determinist. I'm a free will guy. And I believe that free will is a gift from God, but it can easily be abused. The fact that God gives free will to human beings to make choices doesn't mean that we're totally, absolutely free. In fact, we can't fly, right, on our own. I could decide I want to fly. But unless I'm in an airplane, I'm not going to fly. I could think I want to be a dog. I don't have the freedom to become a dog. Or I don't have the freedom to become a woman. I might pretend that I am, but I'm not. I'm on a cruise ship, and I'm going to Bermuda, right, Blancos? And I'm on the first or second deck. Maybe I want to go up to the third deck. Maybe I want to play shuffleboard all day. Maybe I just want to stay in my room and sleep all day long instead of eating all day long, which is probably what I would choose to do. I can, I can watch movies. I can swim. There's so many choices I have on board that cruise ship. But the choice I do not have is... I want to go to Hawaii. I'm going to have to go on another cruise 
to go to Hawaii because the captain and the cruise line have already determined where this boat is going. It's going to Bermuda or the Bahamas or wherever. So God gives us freedom and we can choose to live however we want. We could basically do whatever we want to do. We could even do evil, as we have witnessed about a week ago. Terrible evil. People can choose to do with their free will. But once I make those choices, I don't have the freedom to choose my consequences. God says, if you do this, then that is going to happen. You're going to reap what you sow. You do A, then B is going to be the result because God is in control and he decides and determines those things. So I want to take this idea of God's sovereignty, God being in control, and make it more personal. How does it impact my life personally? I'm going to give you three things that it does in my plans. Since God is in control, that means my plans have a limit. They're tentative plans, actually. Have you ever heard the phrase, the sky's the limit? Well, that's not the truth. The sky isn't the limit. God is the limit. He decides the limitations of our life. In Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 16, 1, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. I, I like how the Good News Bible translates Proverbs 16, 1. We make our plans, but God has the last word. Have you ever discovered that things don't always go according to your plan? That's because our plans are tentative. We can make our plans, but have to realize that they're subject to change. I mean, how many of you changed your career in midstream? At 18 years old, you thought, I'm going to do this. And you were doing it for a while, but then at age 40, you made a complete shift in your career. When I was 19 years old, I thought I was going to become a millionaire quickly in real estate. The year was 1977. Some of you can remember back when interest rates were like 20%. I would sell houses, but the people couldn't qualify for the loan, and the whole thing would fall through. I lost my shirt. Before that, I thought that I might just win the Heisman Trophy when I went to college, and I, I might play pro football. I was five foot ten and 180 pounds in high school. That wasn't going to happen. And being a pastor really wasn't... In my mind's eye, when I was a teenager growing up and going through high school, either. But you see, God had different plans. In Galatians 1, 15 and 16, Paul says, But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. So I, I could identify with Paul. I thought, here's what I'm going to do in my life. And God had different plans. And I needed to come in line with his plans. So we need to be flexible. I think that's a good attitude to have when making plans. Flexibility. The wrong attitude is presumption. 
I don't really need God. I can figure this out on my own. I know what I want and I'm going to go get it. To assume that your plans are going to go exactly as you plan is presumption. James 4. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So it's okay to make our plans. We all do it, but they're tentative. I make my plans, but God calls the shots. So be flexible. Don't get an ulcer if things don't go according to plan. Instead, cooperate with God. That's a good attitude to have. Include God in your plans. How? By praying and waiting. Any plan you make without prayer is presumption. Maybe instead of saying, God, bless what I'm doing, maybe say, let me do what you're blessing. Christians in the early centuries would end their letters with the, with the letters DV. That's what they would put at the bottom of their letters. It stood for Dio Valente, which in Latin means God willing. That's how they looked at life. I'd like to come and see you. I plan to, Lord willing. Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Paul often said, I desire to come see you if the Lord wills. A second area of God's sovereignty in my life is regarding my problems. First Peter 1, 6 to 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary. You have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ, if necessary. I like how the Phillips translation translates that little phrase. This is no accident. Your trials, your problems that you're going through are not an accident. They have a purpose. And to me, that's comforting. That purpose is the tested genuineness of your faith. So life isn't random events. If you're a Christian, nothing has happened to you by chance. God is in control. He's been there every step of the way. It's all part of his plan. And his plan is to make you more like Jesus. Everything that happens in your life has been father filtered. Not an accident. But that doesn't mean that everything that happens is God's perfect will. A child being abused, that's certainly not God's will. The atrocities that we witnessed a week ago in Israel, not God's will. That's why Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer, to pray God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said we need to pray that. It isn't like 
God's heaven, our earth right now. Not everything that happens here is God's perfect will. He uses it to help us grow. Like God doesn't force you to sin. That's not his will. You chose to with your own free will. He may discipline you to help you avoid it in the future. It's us that bring a lot of our problems on ourselves by our own bad choices. Or people do things to us to hurt us. Not God. God allows, permits problems for his greater purpose in his sovereign will. He is a pro at turning bad things into good things in your life. Think of the Apostle Paul. He, God could have kept him out of prison. But there in prison, Paul wrote nearly half the New Testament. God could have kept Jesus from dying on the cross, but that would have meant you and I would have remained in our sin. So he sent him there and allowed him to go there so we'd be saved. God allows problems in our lives, but he doesn't cause them to his children. We cause most of them ourselves or other people. So don't blame God for your problems. Because... God is in control. My plans have a limit and my problems have purpose. So if that's true, how should I respond to problems in my life, knowing that they have a purpose? I want to share just briefly two biblical men and let their lives shine the light on how we could respond when we're going through problems. Well, the first obvious person is Job, the wealthiest man in his day. He lost it all, all his wealth gone. All 10 of his children died in one horrible storm. The only thing he got to keep was his nagging wife. He got a painful disease that hurt him very much. And Satan did it all to him. But Satan even had to have God's permission to inflict all this on Job. God said, I'll allow you to do this to him. But beyond that, no more. So Satan can't afflict you beyond what God's permission is. So if this happens to you, your world falls apart like it did Job. How would you respond? How did Job respond? Listen to what he said in 121 of the book that bears his name. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He praised God at that moment. Everything I had was a gift from God. And God decided in his sovereign will to take it all away. He's allowed to do that because he's my creator. He made me. He can do whatever he wants. If you read Job to the end of the story, you see that he was quite blessed. In Job 42:10, it says, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. <laughs> Some friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Joseph is the second one we'll look at. The Old Testament patriarch, Joseph who was the favorite son of Jacob's 12 sons. His brothers were jealous of him because of their father's favor on him. And so they conspired to sell him as a slave and told their father that 
that he was killed by a wild animal. Joseph was taken to Egypt where he was sold there to the house of Potiphar. Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, but he resisted her advances and was falsely accused of rape and imprisoned. Do you know he sat in prison for 13 years? Surely, during that time, he must have thought, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? But God was in control all the while. And while he was in prison, he met some of Pharaoh's uh, attendants who were also in prison at that time, who when Pharaoh had a dream that no one could interpret, Joseph had interpreted one of their dreams. And so they brought him to the attention of the Pharaoh. And Joseph, given this ability by God, did indeed interpret Pharaoh's dream and saved Egypt by his wisdom and saved his father and his household. Later, he came face to face with his treacherous brothers who sold him into slavery. I love Genesis 50 and verse 20. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, as for you, Joseph, to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph had the foresight to know you meant it to harm me, but God meant it for good. It was all part of his plan that I go through that, that I'd be taken to Egypt, even sit in a jail cell for 13 years. And maybe today you've been hurt by someone, a brother or sister, maybe a boss, an employee, and they meant to harm you, but God has meant it for good and God will bring good out of it. There may be someone in your life someday that wants to take you out, but God has your back. He will work out every problem in your life for his good purpose. So what is your response going to be? To look past the pain and try to find God's purpose? You know what? There are some things in life we will never know why. Lord God, why did my child die? Man, I don't know. I don't know why. But I know that God is good. And that I can trust him in it. Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Maybe I went through that hard time because I can come alongside someone else someday who's going through that exact thing and I can understand and relate to them. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Maybe I'm going through that hard time because God wants me to long for him and get my eyes on him. Long for eternal things in heaven. God is in control. He has a purpose for what's going on in your life. And you can absolutely trust him. 
The third area of God's sovereignty that touches us personally that I want us to look at is my prayers. Prayers make a difference. They're not a waste of time. Maybe you've thought that. Oh, why should I bother praying? God didn't answer my prayer immediately. And so I got my feelings hurt and now I'm mad at God. And so the devil likes that. He whispers in your ear, prayer is a waste of time. God doesn't hear and answer prayers. Certainly not yours. After all that you've done, God certainly isn't going to hear and answer your prayers. I find it amazing that a sovereign God who created the universe uses prayer at all. He's in control, right? He just can do whatever he wants, right? Why bother praying? Because prayer works. I believe that God has designed the universe with our prayers in mind. It says in Revelation 5, 8, And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. It seems as though God has stored up all your prayers in heaven. God answers prayer. How many in here this morning have ever had an answer to prayer? Could you raise your hand? Yeah, right. God answers prayers. I'm convinced that my dad's condition, which was sepsis. Remember, I brought that to the you a congregation a few weeks ago when I found that out Sunday morning around 830. I shared it with you and you all prayed. My dad's doing great. He's improving, doing much better. God is able to answer prayer. Why would I bother praying to a weak God who couldn't answer prayer? But our God is strong and mighty. He answers prayer. Nothing is too difficult for God. Everything is easy for him. Every miracle that we see is likely the result of prayer. I, I think of Jesus' ministry, his power to overrule nature, to heal sick bodies, to turn water into wine, to raise the dead, most of which were the result of his direct praying. And he's God, right? And he prayed. Do you think we need to? Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. This morning, you could pray the biggest prayer that you could ever imagine praying and know that God could do a lot more than that. That what you're praying is easy for him. Prayer is saying what is easy for God. Let me say that again. Prayer is saying what is easy for God. It's easy for him to do what you need. Don't hold back. Pray big. Ask God and then watch what he does. Maybe you're thinking this morning, man, my life is out of control. My kids are out of control. Nothing's out of control with God. Your present situation isn't out of God's control. Your job, your marriage, your health, your finances, your grief, your pain, your sorrow. Pray about it. Believe God and watch what he does next. Perhaps you're thinking, well, why don't I get everything I pray for? Well, God isn't your personal genie. You could be praying, God, I'd like you to strike my uh, fellow employee dead tomorrow, maybe a nice heart attack. You could arrange that for him. That would be great. 
Well, that's probably not God's will for that person because he loves him a lot more than you do, obviously. And if God gave us everything we asked for, could that perhaps make us proud? I don't know. I'm just asking for a friend. Two Christians could pray competing prayers. You can imagine two Christians on opposing teams praying, God, let us win the game. What's God going to do in that situation? Or I pray for a sunny day for my picnic and a farmer in the same town is praying for rain because he needs it for his crops. We don't see the big picture like God does when we pray. And we don't always know God's will. First John five fourteen, And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. According to his will. I know God's will is always to do the best thing for me in that situation. But pastor, I don't know how this, which has happened in my life and I prayed about it, could possibly be the best situation. Well, I don't know either. I'm not God and you aren't either. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus said, not my will be done, but yours be done, God. Let's close. Are you including God in your plans? Are you cooperating with him or being presumptuous? Are you praying about your plans? Many Christians are practical atheists. They believe in God, but they act like he doesn't exist. As for your problems, do you look for God's purpose in them or throw a pity party? Are you always saying, why me, God? Instead of, God, what do you want me to learn through this? What God wants you to learn is that you're going to trust him in a deeper way than you ever had before. As for your prayers, are you praying hard and not giving up? Are you just complaining? Are you just constantly complaining about your boss, your job, your fellow employees? Or are you praying for them? Are you worrying about your finances and future? Or are you praying about them? Instead of giving up on your marriage, how about praying for it? God is sovereign. He's in control. And I find that very comforting because that means I'm not. I'm not in control and I don't have to be. And that's okay. So maybe there's a phrase you and I could have often in the back of our minds. God's in control. When I see that disturbing headline tomorrow, there's that saying that I could say at that time, God, you're in control. You've got this. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so glad that you've got it, that you're in control, that I don't have to be because I've messed it up enough. So, Lord, help us to just rest in you, to fall back in you, as it were, and to trust you in a deeper way with all of our life. Help the person today who's struggling with something, maybe blaming you for something. I pray, Lord, that they would see past that and see that you were there all the time carrying them. The person that's finding it hard to forgive, I pray that you would help them today to forgive that person. As you were so ready to forgive us, the big 
sins that we committed against you. That little thing will look small by comparison. Lord, you are God. Help us to let you be God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Amen.